me tell you about Anchor by Spotify, which is the easiest way to make a podcast and the app that I use to make this podcast, Five Blue Firefighter. It's everything you need all in one place. First, Anchor has all the tools to record and edit your podcast right from your phone, tablet, or computer. If you host off Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms such as Spotify, Apple, and many others. Everything you need all in one place. And best of all, it's totally free. If you're interested in starting your own podcast, download Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to the Five Tool Firefighter Podcast. My name is Nick Higgins, firefighter and author of the Five Tool Firefighter book. Each week, we bring you an inspiring message or person to help you become the best version of yourself you could be. This journey is for the long haul, not the short. Now let's start our journey to becoming the best version of ourselves we could be. Welcome back to the Five Tool Firefighter Podcast. Today's episode, we're going to talk about building firefighter development through fire, fire and sprinkler systems and fire building systems. Our guest today, EJ Hanninger, who is the founder of buildingfirefighters.com, who's going to talk about these topics and why it's so important for firefighters to have a good understanding of fire sprinkler systems and building development to complete what our common goal on the fire ground, to, improve, to build our tactics and complete the mission at hand. So EJ, welcome to the show. Thanks, Nick. I really appreciate you having me on today. Um, it's great to be a part of what you're trying to put out there and just spread knowledge and awareness and, you know, pushing everybody to be, you know, better each day. I love, I love what you're doing. Hey, hey thank you. I, I really appreciate that. And um, I couldn't have done a lot of this stuff without our mutual friend, Steve Green. You know, he's been a instrument in, in helping me out. Me and him start the, started around the same time with both of our stuff. Like the Fire Tribune started around the same time he started a five alarm task force. So, we became friends right away and uh, just started working with each other, helping each other. And he's spoken very highly of you throughout the years. And when we had a chance to bring you on with the webinar on the Five Alarm Task Force, um, it was definitely something that is needed for today's fire service and for all ranks of firefighters to have this understanding and this knowledge because we, we see how crucial it is to the success of the job. So, you know, to start off, why don't, uh, why don't you tell us a little about, you, about who you are and, and what your mission is? All right. So as you said, my name is EJ Hennier. Um, I've been working in the engineering business for a little over 25 years. Focus has been engineering and design of plumbing and fire protection systems. Uh, a lot of <clears throat> large scale commercial type projects. Uh, I've gone through various types of construction, such as high-rise, you know, commercial, educational, pharmaceutical, biotech. So gotten a pretty good look at a lot of varied systems in different buildings, which has been a lot of fun and real interesting. And then um, about, say, like 11 years ago, um, I found my way into the volunteer fire service. And I'm currently a captain with a, a rural volunteer company in southeastern Pennsylvania. Um, it's one of those things, you know, I loved it as a kid, uh, you know, grew up, you know, playing Johnny and Roy from emergency with my neighbor. Um, lost track of it 
came back, actually kind of stumbled into it thanks to my oldest son and ended up, you know, joining in my mid thirties. And luckily my family was supportive enough to make the sacrifices needed for me to go through the fire academy, you know, married with three kids and active in Boy Scouts and everything else. So I owe a lot to them uh, for where I'm at. Uh, and then also to echo your comments about Steve Green, <clears throat> I owe him a lot too. We uh, meet him also click very quickly after our paths cross and uh, he's been very supportive and uh, very influential to me too. And, you know, I appreciate the fact that you recognize the importance of what I've been trying to put out there and you know, I, I call it my mission. I don't really look at this as like a business. You know, I'm not trying to get anything out of it. Just spread knowledge. Um, you know, it's, it's funny because being in the engineering world for so long, I didn't really see the value in it. You know, it's just, it's there every day. So I, I, I get it. Um, and I started noticing on some pre-plan walkthroughs, you know, with my company or some mutual aid companies, um, people not recognizing or understanding things that are found in buildings. And I was talking to, it's actually John Haywick, the first time I talked to him, uh, solid guy runs beyond the basics, fire training. And he was like, dude, he's like, that's like that you got to, you got to push this. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he's like, you've got a unique perspective that you need to share. And I was like, Oh, okay. So, you know, I, I started digging into, you know, I've been taking some notes about, like I said, being on pre-plans and one that really stood out was we were, we were pre-planning with a company one time and we were walking around the back of the building and um, you know, I see this valve array and I'm like, Oh, this building has a fire pump. And some people are like, no. And I'm like, and pretty sure it does, you know, so we got the doors open and got in and yeah, there was a fire pump. Um, and like I said, it just kind of started clicking on me that, you know, not only do we not only always realize what we have, but even if we see it, you know, we might not understand it or its importance or why it's there. So I just started putting stuff together and trying to get it out there just to kind of provide a basic understanding of what we should be looking for before and during an incident with respect to building and fire protection systems. You know, ultimately, you know, I just kind of want to give an awareness level to everybody to understand, you know, why these systems are important or why they're there and how they can make your job better or safer on the fire ground. You bring up a good point. Well, first off, let me go back. John's always, I've noticed, I've never met John. We're in the same same state. Uh, we have mutual connections, mutual friends. Never had the privilege to meet John yet, but, um, and we're in some organizations together, which is crazy, but we've never met. Um, he seems to be one guy that is able to pinpoint a lot of unique characteristics and specialties of a lot of people and has brought that out. And it's interesting how you, you said that, you know, he kind of saw this in you and said, it's a, a great opportunity to get this to a lot of people because it's something that, to be honest, um, I'm in New Jersey that people don't talk about not a lot of not a lot of uh classes i guess you would say on this type of stuff and people wanting this in their firehouse to learn about and going through what you're talking about listening to this and talking about a, a pre-plan we're going through a walkthrough we do a lot of those because we cover a university by me 
and we do a lot of walkthroughs every year. And these are things that people don't recognize. Fire pumps, not knowing what the sprinkler rooms, where the sprinkler rooms are, uh, not understanding rooftop equipment and everything else that goes along with it. And it's very disheartening, I guess you could say, because it puts you behind, puts you behind the eight ball. If you don't understand this type of stuff and um, you could speak more on it, but we seem to be in the more of the suburban metropolitan rural departments, you're not getting a lot of fires. You're not getting many. I mean, my department, we get about, we got lucky we had about five fires in a week, uh, about a month ago. We get a lot of car fires, a lot of car accidents, but the majority of what we get is activated fire alarms, water flow alarms, rooftop alarms. That's probably true for you as well. Yes. So just thinking about that, understanding the mechanical systems, electrical systems and plumbing systems of a building, what would you say is, how important is that for a department to really understand like all firefighters, not just re re relying on, on the season guys or the, the officers, but for everybody to understand that this information is very important and coming from an engineering background. I think that varies, you know, kind of on the call, you know, and in what you're trying to accomplish, you know, is, is it an active working fire? I mean, obviously, you know, in, in today's world, you control the air and you control the fire. So if you can understand HVAC systems, how air is moved, how it's controlled, how it can be isolated, you know, that's a, that's a, you know, a really critical thing to understand that has to be dealt with quickly. Uh, on the flip side, you know, if it's an alarm call, you know, or smells and bells investigative type, and uh, where you're, it's more of a methodical search um, and eliminating issues, then, you know, you have to understand and have an idea of what could be causing the issue and how to isolate it. So if you can, you know, if you can isolate different pieces, you know, you can start narrowing down to, you know, where the problem is. We talked a little bit, you brought up a little bit earlier doing walkthroughs. I, I love pre-plans. That's like one of my favorite things is pre-planning, uh, talking size of, I like doing strategies and tactics. I love doing exercise. I was an athlete pretty much my whole life and playing different sports. So I'm always into that kind of game planning style. Going through a walkthrough or a pre-plan of a building, what are you looking for? with respect to the building systems itself? What are you trying to notate as far as the systems with respect to fire service? So, you know, if it's fire protection systems, you know, to me, it's always, you know, you start at the beginning, you find where the pipe comes in the building and you just, you, you kind of walk it down the best you can. Um, you know, you go through, you know, and that's where you're gonna see, you know, do I have a pump? You know, you're looking at your risers or, you know, are they all wet? Do you have any dry risers? Um, things of that nature. And then just, you know, walking through buildings, you know, just look around, you know, do, do are all the heads normal looking? Do you have any that look weird? Um, you know, a, a big one that, um, and I, again, I gotta, I gotta throw some, some cred to Hagewick again. Um, he called me up one day and said, hey, do you know anything about you know, how much do you know about these uh, suppression systems that don't use water? And I'm like, oh, you mean like a clean agent? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, well, 
you know, what do you want to know? I've engineered three or four of them in the last year. And I think they had a call with one and he's like, you know, this, this seems like it's a blind spot for us, you know, you know, get some information together. So, so I did. So, you know, look for, you know, panels, signage, things that don't look normal. Um, you know, on the building system side, uh, you know, find your mechanical spaces, go to your roofs. Again, start at your sources, you know, find big pieces of equipment, major pieces of equipment, look for anomalies. Um, but one of the real keys, in my opinion, in, in making pre-plans better is when you start the process. And, and, you know, maybe we don't, you know, I guess, you know, we always like to say, oh, well, when does pre-planning start, you know? Um, you know, and they, oh, you know, before the tones drop. Well, yeah, but how far before? You know, being on my side, um, you know, I'm in the plan review process. You know, I, I put together the plans that get submitted for review. Um, depending on how you're set up, I mean, if you're a big city, you know, you have a plans review department. They're part of the fire department. They understand your operations. They know what to look for. You have solid communications. So if they see something weird, or new, you know, there can be discussions that can get brought out. Now, where I am personally, uh, you know, we, my township contracts with a engineering firm to do a lot of that. You know, our, our, our fire marshal has limited uh, review or, you know, his reviews are limited to certain aspects with our operations. So in that aspect, you know, it's very important that you have some type of relationship with who's doing the plan reviews for what's being built in your township. So that, you know, if your standard is you want, you know, a five inch storks for your FDCs, make sure he's not approving plans that have like two, two and a half connections. Um, or, you know, if a clean agent system comes through or smoke evac system, you know, there's flags going to you. So then if you know about it, you can be there through the construction process. You know, hopefully you can make some site visits because to me that's huge, not only from understanding the buildings, but also operational. I mean, that's a very dynamic, construction site's a very dynamic scene. Um, you know, the, the suppression systems, the extent and coverage is gonna change, your vehicle access can change. So it's very important to be involved through that. And then as the building is being wrapped up, you know, as your systems are being commissioned, that is a great time for you to do walkthroughs. You can have the building owner, you know, the, the inspector, the contractor, the installer, maybe even the engineer. You have everybody there at one point. You can see the systems going into operation, going through testing. Everybody that's had their mind or their hands in the system is there. So if you see something you don't recognize or don't understand, you can get credible info so that you know what to do when you show up, you know, and a lot of times, unfortunately, you know, a new building's built, you know, we get to get in there, you know, a week or two after they get their COO and they've moved in and, you know, you kind of lose all that contact and, and, you, and you risk not being able to get credible information. I couldn't agree with you more, man. I mean, um, where I'm at, it's the same thing. You know, we um, we don't have any guys in the fire division, fire marshal division. We have two guys that, that go out and, and handle this type of stuff. And they're really good at relaying a lot of information back, telling us what's going on and, and 
getting us to go through walkthroughs and, and planning those out. They, they take a, they spearhead a lot of that with us to help us get uh, a lot of walkthroughs. Like we cover a university, it doesn't go through them, but we have contacts there when they're doing anything at this university, changes, renovations, no matter what it is, we get a walkthrough automatically because we're, we're going into a lot of calls uh, just for dormitories, uh, you name it, whatever they got on the college campus. I mean, laboratories is one that we have a lot of, but we try to take that to heart. And what you're saying is to really go in there and, and start these buildings when they're bare bones and learn what's in there and, and try to keep track of everything the best we can. Um, the one thing I know, there's always a lot of calls for activated fire alarms. You always hear that, activated fire, activated fire alarms. People, a lot of times, firefighters don't really understand what, what's really going on with that aspect and what they're looking for when it comes to things like rooftop units and everything else. What would you kind of advice would you give to somebody coming from your experience looking at those type of mechanical systems to really look for when, when you're showing up to a say an activated fire alarm? I guess my first advice would be, you know, start at the panel. Again, you know, always start at the head end of a system and work your way back. The panel is going to be one of your best sources of information. It's going to tell you, well, hopefully, um, you know, it's it's a nice, high quality, addressable panel. It's going to pinpoint your your alarm point location. It's going to tell you, you know, if it was smoke, if it was heat, where it is, um, you know, to try and help pinpoint it for you. If if not, um, hopefully you have some documentation. You know, I'm, I'm a big proponent of, um, you know, opening up panels and looking inside, you know, hopefully there's some type of drawing with uh, a layout or system architecture. Because if you, you know, if you only have an alarm indication like for a zone and not a point, then, you, you know, you still have to know where that zone is and start there. And, you know, just understanding like rooftops, for example, you know, you could have a detector, you know, in more, I'll call them budget friendly, like root packet, we call them packaged rooftop units, is, which is what you're going to see like from developers, you know, that'll build like a big shell space that gets fit out with retail. You know, they're, they're not going, you know, high-end custom units on the roof. You know, they're going to slap a bunch of these little package units and they can be purchased with the detectors in the units. Uh, or maybe the detector is you know, in the ductwork off the discharge or the return. Um, so again, it goes back to doing your pre-planning and understanding where detectors are um, and like if they're heat or they're smoke, um, but finding them, you know, one of the things, you know, always look for the red wire or look for the conduit that's labeled. You know, if you're trying to, you know, trace uh, alarm points back. Um, but yeah, just, you know, understanding how the air moves or what, what device initiated and where it is, those are, you know, those are really key. Talk about the air. And talking about flow path when it comes to air movement and everything else, how does the turn, how does the flow path come in, in line, I guess, what you say with these mechanical systems, should there be a fire? How does that all work? work together well, if if the system is engineered correctly um, the air handling unit should shut down 
if there's an alarm situation. And that's done to prevent, you know, you moving smoke throughout, you know, that we'll call it, you know, the, the air handling unit zone if it serves multiple spaces. Because um, you're going to have supply air, it's going to take some air back and return it and recondition it. So if you have a fire in a space, you know, it would, in theory, it would be sucking smoke back in the unit and now it's going to throw it in all the rooms. So if engineered correctly, that unit should shut down on alarm activation and your, your isolation is good. You should have an alarm point, you know, you know where you're at, what you're dealing with. Now, if that unit is dedicated to a single room, such as like a mechanical space or just dedicated for whatever reason to a single space, the unit might not shut off. So it's just gonna be constantly recirculating which isn't horrible, you're not throwing smoke around, but again, it's air movement. And like we said earlier, you know, today's modern fire environment, you control the air, control the fire. So best thing to do is understand how to isolate that unit, shut it down. You know, there's gonna be a, you know, a disconnect switch to kill it, understand where they are, you know, make sure things are getting labeled correctly so you can find stuff interesting or find stuff easily and understand, you know, good examples on disconnect switches by code i think any any motor has to have a disconnect switch and located within i think i think it's eyesight i'm trying to remember the verbiage off the top of my head but if you look into the definition of that it's like it's out to like 50 feet so um you know you, you can see you can see it but you know it might not be within arm's reach so again it's understanding your systems, what you have, where to go, what to do. Okay. So talking building systems, going to wrap this piece up on building systems. And I want to get into talking about um, sprinkler systems and everything else. But in your, in your opinion, have, have doing this for a living, being a firefighter, in your mind, why, why is this important to be, is this important to understand as a successful firefighter? Someone came to you and said, hey, I've been on a job for five, five years. Why do I need to know this stuff? I have guys that can handle this for me. I'm just there to, to do a walkthrough and, and just go with the flow. Why do I need to know this stuff? I mean, it ultimately, you know, I guess, um, I don't want to say it. I think it's, you know, from the, from the, like the, the, the high morality response, you know, to, to make the fire ground safer, you know, help make sure we all go home. You know, if, 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 if this is what sells it, okay, just you know, to make your life easier, you know, um, so, so you can, you know, I mean, who wants to walk away from a smells and bells call and not be 100% sure you know what the problem was and you isolated it? Um, so, and who wants to spend two hours doing that? Yeah. You know, you want to get in there, you want to get the job done, you want to feel confident about it, you want your, your, your owner to feel confident that you got it and knew what you were doing. Um, you know, so it's, like I said, it's depends how you look at it, how you want to sell it, but ultimately it's, you know, uh, safety, stability on the fire. And I, I think that's a hundred percent in my mind, the same way. I just feel that the more, you know, the better you are to protect the community and serve the people you're with. And even if it's not the, what they call it, a sexy topic of putting out fires and, and going into smoke filled environments, having this understanding, this knowledge of what to look for on these everyday calls could actually prevent a fire from happening down the road. And 
protect people at a, at a better rate. And then we get into another topic that, that you, you're on your mission out there, you're, you're spreading this stuff, is talking about fire protection systems. Yep. And I'm going to start it right off, man. Again, it's another topic people don't really want to learn. People are just like, hey, you know, I'll, I'll learn it for what it is. But to have a solid understanding, there are times, and not saying everybody's like this, I'm not, I'm not trying to say that, but it's not an attractive topic to people to learn it's about not. some pipes, to learn about really pipes in a building. But why is this in your, in your mind? critical and crucial for firefighters to know. And, and there's a thousand things we could talk about as far as engine operations and everything else, but from EJ, why do you think it's, why is it that important? Why is that on your mission to spread? What, what's the saying, right? Work, work smarter, not harder. <laughs> Absolutely. Right? So, you know, it's, again, it, it's understanding these systems, not only to be safe, but to make your job easier. They're, you know, I, you know everybody goes through that section when they're going through uh, you know, firefighter one at the academy, you know, and they touch on, you know, oh, this is how a dry system works. This is how a wet system works. Um, and you're right. It is dry. It's a, and it is a hard sell. Um, I think one of the things that kind of gets me fired up about this is, you know, like I said, I've done, you know, high rise engineering, um, crazy, you know, clean room type engineering, and I'm a firefighter in rural southeastern Pennsylvania. You know, the biggest thing we have is barns. You know, it's funny because people, you know, people in the industry are big. Oh, well, I don't, you know, I don't understand. Like, you know, what do you guys do as a fire company? I'm like, I have no freaking clue. Like, we only have hydrants in 15% of my township. You know, so constantly trying to reconcile these two worlds, you know, is, is what kind of gets me fired up and going. Um, but, you know, it's just again, it's, it's, it's understanding what's there to make your life safer and easier. And there's so many things out there, uh, but you got to be looking for it and you got to find it, you know, ask questions if you don't know what you're seeing or, or what's going on um, and making sure the right systems are getting installed to um, protect buildings. You know, like you said, you know, it's, people don't see it and it's true. And it, I mean, even think about it. I mean, what's a lot of the engine company operations, you know, you, you, you shut the sprinklers down and you take care of it yourself. So it's as important as it is, you know, everybody's just kind of like, you know, eh, well, we got it. We got it. Right. But, you know, a lot of times, you know, like I'm talking about going back to the Academy, you don't really realize how powerful a sprinkler system is and how beneficial a sprinkler system is to a fire when you're not there. And it could be a commercial building during the day where there are a lot of people in there and there could be a significant fire. But having that, that protection system in there, not only is it, it's not doing our job, but it's helping us and assisting us in our job for when we get there. You know, when you talk about heat release rates and everything else, they could be a lot higher in situations where it's compartmentalized in say a type one type two structure because of no sprinklers or lack thereof or not working sprinklers. So to have these, to have this, I guess, tool in your toolbox, that's already in the field for you. You should know more about it than anybody else because it's part of your, I guess your, your arsenal in, in a sense it is. And you know I what these systems are, are starting to get 
well, on my side, as far as the technology goes, they've been they've been growing a lot. Um, but I don't know that you really see them in normal areas. I've seen it, like I said, you know, especially uh, pharmaceutical biotech field. You know, not only do you have, you know, you're trying to protect product, you know, which is being taken, you know, people are, you know, putting in their body. So that has to be very protected. There's a lot of stuff going on there. There's chemicals, um, you know, there's a lot of uh, technology spaces, uh, you know, we're, we're past just having big data centers. You're talking about having um, smaller local, you know, like we'll call them like server closets, server rooms. Um, and the fire suppression technology has really grown in, as you start seeing more and more, you know, like lithium ion batteries, energy storage systems, stuff like that, you're going to start seeing a lot of more, you know, I'll say, you know, day-to-day -day places trending away from your normal wet type suppression, fire protection system to things like clean agent um, and very, very advanced suppression systems that, you know, you really need to have an idea of what's going on because, you know, for example, a clean agent, you know, it, it's not just going to be clean agent. You're going to have some type of backup. Most jurisdictions want to know that if that clean agent cylinder dumps and it doesn't handle the fire, that you still have a backup to protect it. Um, but, you know, you got to think about what's in that room. You know, if you show up to a, a room that a clean agent system went off and you got to go in maybe didn't quite get everything and you got to go in and finish it up. If it's a, if it's a rare document storage room, are you going in with a pressurized water can, you know, like you have so, to understand not only why it's not, or not only what's there, but why it's there. So that brings a bunch of questions to my mind. The first one is for people who don't know what a clean agent system is. Oh. Let's talk about that for a second. But then the other thing I'll, I'll ask while we're in it, so we just get right into it is, you're talking about these biotech labs, talking about data centers, chemicals, everything else that are in these buildings now. People are working with all kinds of lithium batteries, everything else. Are the systems designed differently based on what's being stored in these facilities? So, all right, first we'll go through clean agent. Um, the, I guess the simplest way to explain a clean agent system is it's, it's a like a giant fire extinguisher with a automated discharge system. Um, so they're, they're waterless systems. There's different types of gases. I won't go down the rabbit hole, um, but they all work on different levels, either by displacing the oxygen or interrupting the chemical reaction or taking away the heat. You know, you're, you're breaking the fire triangle on one or more levels. And so these systems are put in places that have equipment or, you know, say documents, something in there that you don't want to get wet, you want to protect. Um, so they're water, you know, so they're waterless. They can suppress a fire without damaging uh, expensive electrical equipment or sensitive documents. And they're set up so that, you know, you have detection in the space, you have a cylinder outside and it's a high pressure cylinder Detector goes off, starts an initiation sequence, tell everybody to get out of the room, everybody evacuates, valve on the cylinder opens up, it floods the room with the agent, suppresses the fire. Um, so that, that's clean agents in a nutshell. Like I said, it's, it's like if you took a giant extinguisher 
piped it into a room and had, you know, uh, intelligent detection devices telling it when to go off. So that, that's clean agents in a nutshell. Um, sorry, what was the second part? Depending on what kind of laboratory. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, different design. Yeah. And, and you know what? This has been on my mind a while because this, this goes beyond labs, but, you know, we've seen, I don't know how many. There, there's three large storage, like warehouse type facility fires we've seen in the last year. And, you know, I can guarantee you every time one of these happens, one of the first comments you read is, well, the, you know, sprinklers couldn't handle it. Sprinklers couldn't handle it. You know, that, that, that's debatable. But the reason I bring that up is, you know, from a, from a warehouse down to a laboratory, there's so much that goes into trying to figure out what's in a space and how it's used. And getting that information is, it can be, you know, virtually impossible. Um, you know, a lot of times, you know, we had developed questionnaires for, for our clients, you know, are you going to have flammables? You know, is it liquid? You know, do, do, are, you, are you transferring? Is it, is it used in an open, um, an open environment? Like, like, you know, are you, are you pouring it into beakers or is it transferred by hoses and everything's contained? Um, or like with the warehouses, you know, what are you storing? You know, it's going to be plastics. Is it in cardboard? Is it on plastic? Pallet? You know, and a lot of times, you know, the answer is, oh, I don't know. Or it could be anything or you know, everything, the office environment for a long time has been engineered now for flexibility. And we're seeing that for labs as well. You know, you don't see dedicated R&D labs or, you know, a lab dedicated to a certain process. The owners want everything for flexibility to chase different business models. So it, it is it is very hard. Um, and it's not just flammables, but you got to look at biologics. You know, you might be looking at fire water containment. Um, if they have biological uh, things in the space that, you know, you don't want fire water carrying out into the corridor or, you know, into other spaces. So it's, it's very critical. And to understand what's in this space is how it's being used. And, you know, maybe not so much on the fire side, although you should be aware of hazards, but on the engineering side, it's, it, it's huge. And, you know, quality of the, the system design really boils down to how well space gets programmed uh, and you understand what's going on in there. So my final question is more towards the five tool firefighter. To understand these systems, to understand sprinkler systems, clean agent systems, all of the above, that's something that will go into your strategy and tactics. It definitely helps build your strategy and tactics for what you're going to definitely can help. So if someone asked you, we already talked about the safety and efficiency of it um, with the building systems on why firefighters should have this great understanding of this knowledge. What else would you tell someone they come to your class and we're going to talk about that right after this, they come to your class and they say, EJ, I understand this is for safety and everything else, but why is this so important on top of safety? And that's like the, the number one thing is safety, but why is this so important to you? Why is this 
something that I have to know as like a two-year firefighter? Why do I need to know about all this stuff? That's a good question. Um, like I said, it's kind of, that's really good. I'm thinking because like, you know, beyond those other two for me, I mean, I'm just, you know, it's what I do. So, you know, I kind of geek out about it. Um, and, and, you know, and maybe, maybe this isn't the right answer, but I'm not necessarily saying that every person has to know it, um, you know, like, but know your resources, right? Like we had one of our guys, he was a, he was a fire police officer in our, our department and he owned his own HVAC business. I learned so much stuff from him about, um, like, you know, an, an alarm call, you know, like understanding boilers and figuring stuff out. Um, so like I said, maybe it's, it's not necessarily, you have to know it, but make sure your department knows it or somebody knows it, you know, if you, if you don't have to, know, it's, it's impossible to know everything, right? But have, have, have your resources. Like I said, our whole company didn't understand, have to understand how boilers work. But if we got in, it was like, oh, there's something going on down here. Get Bob down here. He knows what he's doing. Um, so I don't know. Maybe that's not the right answer to, you know, that you don't, you know, to say that you don't need to know it, but know where to find the info. But that's also like knowing it. Because I'm looking at it in a sense where you might not have to, you might, might not know everything, like you said, and you're not expected to know everything. But if you have the idea of, wait a minute, I have an understanding of the setup. I understand sprinkler systems and, and this is, I can identify, there might be a clean agent system. I, I've done my pre-plan. I might not be good at this, but the one guy in engine two, they're coming in right now as second due engine, whatever, water supply, there's a firefighter on that apparatus that is an expert in this topic. You just pretty much didn't take a shot in a dark gas on what you're doing. You're not playing horseshoes here. You didn't almost get it. You figured it out and you knew your resource because if you think about, and I look at it and I've said this to other people was, and this is why I also think that that was like the best answer for that, for that question is because an incident commander is not going to know every job on the fire ground. He's not, unless he's been around and been into all different things. They might have only been a engine engine guy for so many years, or a truck guy, and you know never switched over at some point. They're not going to know every little job. They're not going to be proficient in every single job. And if you did, great, you're the best person ever. But they know the resources and they know where to get it. And I think personally, that makes you the most well-rounded firefighter is knowing your resources not knowing everything but knowing your resources and this is a resource you know i i I say it a lot of times when i when i give my presentations that you know i'm not trying to overwhelm everybody and turn everybody into an engineer expect them to to understand engineering you know i i I like to call my my program awareness level training you know and the analogy I, i always use is you know i took trench rescue awareness you know can i run incident command at a trench rescue Absolutely not. But do I know enough to not get hurt by the big hole? Yes. You know, that's, and I know, who, I know who to call to get help with the big hole. Yeah. And, and I think that's what makes you a, a good leader, a good firefighter, and a very well-rounded individual, because you know where to get the information when you simply don't have the knowledge behind you 
to to make those decisions. And, and, and unless, you know what, let, yeah. let's follow up on that a little bit too. Where do you get that knowledge? Like you said, we talked earlier about, you know, having a relationship with your, you know, local inspectors or, you know, code enforcement, you know, um, as a building's being constructed, having that relationship with the contractors, the owners, you know, once it's built, you know, continuing that relationship with the owner, um, you know, it, if, you have, if you have someone coming to the fire station to do maintenance on the unit, you know, go bug him, follow him, see what he's doing. I do that at home. I, I, I have to tell contractors when they come to my house, like, look, I'm going to be standing here looking over your shoulder. It's not that I don't trust you. It's not that I'm going to tell you what to do. I'm trying to figure this stuff out. I want to understand it. You know, on the fire ground, um, you know, it's like, say, uh, you had a dry system go off and they, and, you know, you have called a, a sprinkler contractor to come out and reset the system, you know, hang out, talk to him, find out, you know, watch what he's doing, ask questions. You know, there, you know, like I mentioned the guy that was the, the HVC guy in our department, you know, look inside, um, find out who has those, those life experiences or outside businesses experiences, you know, and just, and, and lean on them. It, it's, it's all around. You just got to be cognizant of it. Yeah. And as firefighters, we have a wealth of knowledge and we have experience in so many things that we're like a one-stop shop in a sense. So I agree. And yeah, absolutely. Right. People, people don't know who to call. Who do they call us? Fire department. Yeah. <laughs> it calls for everything. Yeah. And the last thing I want to, I want to talk to you about, I really ask you is, um, so you're speaking at firehouse this year. Yes. Congratulations. It, it's a fun Thanks. time. I, I've been there a few times, spoke a few times and, uh, it's a lot of fun. It's a great experience. It's your first time, second time. Uh, this will be my first. Yeah, so I'm I'm stoked. You know, I'm, I'm enjoy it, man. I'm telling you, enjoy. It. I'm overwhelmed by the opportunity, and you know, there there's so many people that I've you know met online, and you know, have either just messaged with or talked on the phone, and you know, have been wanting to just shake their hands and say thank you for for so long. It's it's going to be really great to to meet a lot of people. Enjoy it. For those who are going to Firehouse, what are you? What are you talking on? What are you speaking on? So I am going to be doing my building systems presentation. It'll be Thursday afternoon. Uh, I believe it's 2.30 to 4.30. Uh, so we'll go through um, basically mechanical, electrical, plumbing systems, um, what to understand, uh, what to look for, you know, why it's important, uh, in a nutshell, it all boils down to isolating hazards uh, to make the fire ground safer and being able to anticipate problems so you can eliminate them. It's a great, a great um, topic to be talking on. And again, talking about safety and, and keeping everybody safe. So I want to thank you, EJ, for coming on to Five Tool Firefighter and talking about what you do, what your mission is, and how you're helping firefighters grow, grow in their careers, grow in what they do and grow in their knowledge. So the last thing I'm going to ask you is where can we find you? And do you have any last words? Um, so you can find me, uh, let's see, I have website buildingfirefighters.com. I have info on there about my programs. Um, I do have a blog on there. I try and put some stuff out. I have been, uh, I've not been good at updating that lately. I, I took on a new position this spring. I changed, uh, I changed companies and took on a new 
career path, which has kind of had my focus for the last few months. So um, trying to get everything in order in here, um, you know, mesh myself into a, a great squad that I got here and just try and get that working. Um, I am on, this is horrible. I, I'm on Twitter. Uh, I don't, I'm, I, don't, I honestly, I'm not even sure what my, my Twitter handle is off the top of my head. Um, Look at it right now. And on Facebook, the links are all on the website. Uh, if you go there, there's a little bit of information about me. There's a lot of info about, you know, I have a kind of like what I call friends and family section on there, um, which is a lot of guys, which I need to add Firehouse Tribune to that. Um, Thank you. Sharing the knowledge. Um, I, I appreciate you seeing the value in this. You know, it's, like I said, for me, it's, it's, it's kind of hard because, you know, this is, you know, like I said, I geek out on this. It's what I do every day. So I, I, I get it, but I mean, you know, it, it's a hard sell, you know, it's, it's a very dry topic at its surface. So, um, you know, once you sit and talk and kind of get into it more, you know, at the end, you know, people are kind of like, oh, wow. Like it, it's more interesting and more relevant than, than, you know, you can tell at face value, but, um, yeah, it's, it's always nice when somebody shows some interest. It's, you know, uh, it just kind of, it gets that, that spark going again, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you for coming on. Thank you for. Hold on. Hold on. I want to flip the script real quick. Oh, okay. all right. So, so all right. I, I, I emailed you a couple of questions. So yeah, I kind of want, want to hit you up a little bit too. So all right, let's do it. All right, first question is, you know, can you think of a fire call um, that stands out in your memory for a good reason? I mean, it could be, you know, a lot, you know, a lot of times people ask, you know, I don't want to say they're interested in, but, you know, it seems like, you know, it's always about, you know, like what was your worst call or, you know, a horrible call or crazy call. Um, you know, I don't want to, you know, I want to know about like, you know, I don't know. Every, everything clicked. You had an awesome crew that day. You know, you guys were on it. Everything fell in line. Or maybe you just out for an alarm call and just somebody came over and just said, thank you. Like, you know, it's like, I want to hear positives. Like, is there anything like that that stands out in your mind? There's a few. There's a few. I mean, we talk the war stories of fires, but the, some of them that really stand out are the ones where, well, the one for me that I'm thinking of right off the top of my head is we went to a school. And it was just a early morning, nine, 10 o'clock, maybe. I guess that's not early morning, but uh, for the work day, it's an early morning for people showing up. And it was a fire alarm activation and scared the kids half to death. I mean, all the noise and the alarms going off. And when they saw us coming up, you know, in the big red trucks with the lights on and everything, you know, they felt safe. They felt um, protected. They're all outside in the parking lot waiting. And just to see us go in and, and do what we need to do, mitigate the problem. When they come back out, you know, they're, they're saying thank you to us. And they actually sent us stuff. We actually, a couple of days later, we got stuff in our firehouse dropped off to thank you for protecting us and everything else. So it was nice to, to see little kids really feel as if they, they understand these were very real kids. These were preschool, kindergarten type kids to see that and to see how, how scared they were when we got there to how 
relieved and enjoyed they were when we walked out and said, you guys can go back to your classes and you can do whatever you need. Um, made us feel, feel good. Okay. You know, we are making an impact in people's lives and we're doing things that might not be a fire of pulling people out of buildings or cars or whatever else, but we are protecting people every day just by, just by showing up and having a positive, positive outlook on what we do and, and being professional with them and actually being human with them, going up to the kids at the end and talking to them and, you know, putting a smile on their face. So it was one of those things where it makes you feel good. When we get back, we're like, that was nice. It wasn't just, all right, thank you, get out of here. It was, you know, we appreciate this. That's awesome. I love that story. That's so cool. Um, all right, so the other one, um, you know, it, your first week in the fire service, you know, you're riding that back seat, you know, knowing what you know and who you know now. Um, who would you love to have had riding that officer's seat, you know, being that mentor, somebody that you could look up to, um, and I, I'm not even trying to discount, you know, somebody that, that did do that role that you like, you know, I'm not necessarily looking for you to say some, you know, nationally recognized name. If it's, if it is somebody that you had that experience with, that's cool too. But just kind of curious, like if there's anybody like, Oh man, if, you know, like if, if I could have ridden behind chief Turpak, you know, like, you know, somebody that you always felt like you clicked with maybe mentally and would have loved to work with. Okay, I have one. Actually, he, I never, we don't work together as firefighters, but we, we've taught together. He actually hired me as, as an instructor at a, at a fire school here in New Jersey. We're both advocates together. He got me as an advocate for the National Home Firefighters. Um, I do work for him. I, I teach for his consulting firm. Uh, he's now a lieutenant in his department. And if I could have worked with him, I would have 100% um, signed up for that job any day of the week. Um, the way we click, everything else. I would have, uh, looking back on it, um, I would have been 100% signed up to go and, and be in that back, back seat, following him right into anything. Because the, the amount of stuff that I've learned from him over the years, fire service related, non-fire service related, um, trumps the majority of the officers that I've learned from. Even in my book, I talk about some officers. This trumps those guys' lessons they've taught me over the years. 100%. I talk to them almost every, almost every day at, at times, maybe once a week, every now and then. But yeah, I would 100%. And he's in my book. He's actually in the, in the beginning in, in the acknowledgement section. Hundred percent. Cool. Awesome. Well, thanks for indulging me. Let me, uh, let me, let me do that. That was good. I had to think for a second. I'm like, do I want it? Yep. That's hundred percent. There's no question on that. No doubt on that last question. I should say, of who it was going to be. And I'll say his name right now, David Wiglansky. Uh Alpha Omega Training Solutions is his company, and um, he's been around. He goes around to and Triple F talks on him. Uh, mental health and everything else. So, but that he's been to firehouse. He's been to a lot of different conferences, but he'd be the one I go with. Yeah, there's so others, I was, but I was actually reading your book last week. Um, and I remember 
reading his name and it and it clicked i knew it from somewhere but couldn't put my finger on it um and i've been meaning to go back and, and look him up and try to figure out exactly where i where i knew him from um maybe it might just be from like n triple f and stuff like that he's yeah and i end up crossing paths with a lot of guys that, that help support that so he was a driving force behind me starting the firehouse tribune he didn't even know it but he was i i didn't tell him until after i started it just like i didn't tell him i wrote the book until after it was done i didn't even tell him he was in the book until after it was done <laughs> there you go. Awesome. he got something to mail his name's in it he's like oh thanks <laughs> wow <laughs> so yeah I, I just tend not to tell him until it's done and i'm asking him questions he has no idea why i'm texting him half these questions i'm asking him and then little as you know stuff he's giving me advice on is published in the book <laughs> It's always uh, it's always good that's, to have uh, have friends like that. That's great. Yes, yes, it is. Yes, it is. That's for sure. Do you don't have anything else? I don't have anything else. No, I think we we hit the the high points pretty good. Awesome. So we're gonna wrap this up, EJ. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for coming on the Five Tool Firefighter Podcast, and we'll be posting this. Be posting your stuff. We'll be following you. Anything that, any information to follow EJ, it will be in the show notes as well. And the last thing I'm going to say is if you have any articles you've written and you want me to publish them, send them my way. I'll put them on the Firehouse Tribune. That's not a problem at all. Actually, uh, I've had one in the works for quite a while now that I need to get get back to and start working on. Uh, nice. so, so, yeah. Looking forward to reading it. Yeah, look, look for uh, look, yeah, stand by to get some, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right, so EJ, thank you. And as we say here at the Firehouse Tribune and at the end of the Five Tool Firefighter book, until next time, work hard, stay safe, and live inspired. today's episode of the five tool firefighter podcast if you like what you heard and you want to hear more please subscribe to our podcast on apple spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts also please leave us a rating and don't forget to pick up the book the five tool firefighter available on amazon at the firehouse until next time work hard stay safe and live inspired